We are going to open up the Bible together now and we are continuing our series called One Another. So looking at and and I guess yeah, just challenging ourselves in how we do life in community as believers and with one another in other circles and other contexts. And I, I really feel as I was preparing this week for this talk that this one is really key and uh, that the Holy Spirit wants to do, wants to move, wants to do some stuff in the mix of this this morning. Uh, so in order for him to do that, uh, we must give him permission. We must give him permission. So I want to just pray as we open up God's word and that we just allow allow God to speak, allow God to, to move and to, to surrender to him. So why don't we pray before we do that. Lord, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for every person gathered, uh, for every person connecting in, for every person watching, Lord, wherever we are at. And we just surrender our hearts right now, Lord. We surrender our, our whole lives afresh right now, Lord. And we invite you in. We say, would you do what only you can do? We say, Lord, would you would you just come and su surprise us, fill us up, speak to us, stir us, Reveal to us, Lord, that what needs to be revealed. I just pray for significant moments. I pray for uh, moments of healing and restoration as we open up your word. I pray for moments of miracles, Lord. I pray for moments of clarity. I pray for moments of wisdom. I pray for moments where uh, we know you have spoken into specific situations. I pray you'll surprise us. Would you surprise us, Lord? May it be the little throwaway comments perhaps that you want to use through me would be just hit the nail on the head into specifics, things we're praying about, things we're longing for, Lord. We invite you in to the spaces of our hearts, into all of our hearts, Lord, into our houses, Lord, every room, Lord, for every person that's in the houses that are watching right now, Lord, whether they're tuning in or not, Lord, would you do something? Would you do something? Would you move, Lord? Would you fill up every space, Father? Surprise us this morning, encourage us this morning, remind us that you are with us. You are with us right now. You are with us. Amen. Amen. So we're going to be reading from Galatians, and Galatians is, a, is Paul's writings to a group of churches in Galatia. And there's lots of tension uh, in the mix of these churches and the people in these churches. Lots of back and forth. And we're going to be reading Galatians 6. And we're going to be reading from verse 1. So it says this, Galatians 6 verse 1. Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. But watch yourselves, or you may also you also may be tempted. Carry each other's burdens and in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. If anyone thinks they are something when they are not, they deceive themselves. Each one should test their own actions. Then they can take pride in themselves alone without comparing themselves to someone else. For if each one, for each one should carry their own load. Nevertheless, the one who receives instruction in the word should share all good things with their instructor. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, 
As we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. I want to focus on the line in verse 2, carry each other's burdens. And in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. Carry each other's burdens. Or uh, another translation says to bear with one another's, bear one another's burdens. Bear one another's burdens. I want to play a video, a very short clip, and then I'll pick right up afterwards. And many of you uh, might have seen it, but over to a short video. Second and third, but then less than 400 meters from the finishing line. Unbelievable. Johnny Brownlee would start to find fatigue. He did not know where he was. And something that we have never seen before, Alistair Brownlee would help his brother to the finishing line. Henry Schumann could not believe his eyes. He would have himself an ability to get to the finish and win the grand final. The crowd absolutely could not believe what they were seeing. Henry Schumann, the man who had been the bronze medalist at the Olympic Games, would claim the grand final. What an incredible rock star season for Henry Schumann. And as he crossed the line, he would look back and not believe what he was seeing. The two Brownlee brothers trying to make their way to their finishing line with Richard Murray just seconds behind. And Alistair Brownlee would help the younger of the Brownleys in, push him across the line. It would be Johnny second, Alistair third. Uh, yeah, well, I've been in that position before. And uh, when it happened to me in London all those years ago, uh, I remember sprinting away in second place and then being in the position Johnny's in now and coming around and uh, someone telling me I was in 10th and I was like, how did all them people come past me? So I swore if, uh, literally, if it happened to anyone, if it happened to Henry, I would have helped him across the line because, to be honest, it's an awful position to be in. If he'd conked out a cave from the finish line there and there isn't the medical support, you know, it's a dangerous position to be in. So whatever, you know, it, you know, obviously the World Series is a big play, but whatever, it's the right thing to do. I love that video. I remember seeing it for the first time and uh, I remember getting quite emotional watching it. It doesn't take a lot to get me uh, quite emotional, but it's, quite, it's such a moving clip, isn't it? And that clip, as well as a popular uh, story in the Bible that we're going to look at as well, I feel these pictures are an incredibly strong one in today's We Talk that I'm bringing and what God wants to do. I love his concern. I love his physical response as his first response to dive in, to not wrestle with what to do. I love that it cost him in that race. But actually, I love that he carried his brother. I love that he ran alongside him in his weakness and his weariness. I love that he'd done that until it was no longer needed, until they crossed the line. I love that he took over because he was best placed for that moment. You've seen the water guy kind of hold him for a little bit, and he's like, no, I know what to do. I know what he needs. I love that he never lets go. I love that the crowd weren't really celebrating the winner, but the band of brothers, arms linked. I love that the journey his brother was in was a situation he was in previously, so he knew exactly what he was going through. So good. I love it. And it's such a beautiful, beautiful moment of how to love, how to scoop our brothers and sisters up in seasons of weariness, in seasons where we've seen maybe the fallen, seasons where they feel they're lost, in seasons where they can't walk, where seasons where all of, all of a sudden, out of nowhere, the enemy throws a fiery dart of darkness and nothing else matters in that moment. And in that moment, I felt the Holy Spirit say that this is a picture of a different kind of race. In that moment, it became a different kind of race. And he loves to see it. The Lord loves to see it. And church, it's so important right now, just now, as we step out, as we look to next steps, it's so important as we reach out into the city 
And it's so important as we get stuff going again that we remember to bear one another's burdens. William Barclay, in his book, The Letters to Philippians, Colossians and Thessalonians, he says this, If a man is forever concerned, first and foremost, with his own interests, then he is bound to collide with others. If for any man life is a competition, then he will always think of other human beings as enemies, or at least as opponents who must be pushed out of the way. And the object of life becomes not to help others, but to push them down. John Ortberg, in his book, The Life You've Always Wanted, he says this, All games involve scorekeeping. The rules of scoring in any game tell the players which achievements count, what to do in order to be a winner. Monopoly players keep score with money, football players count touchdowns, poker players use chips. We are by nature scorekeepers. We crave feedback. We want to know how we're doing. Is my life on track? Am I doing what matters? Our sense of the score exerts a powerful influence over our lives. Our behaviour is inevitably aimed at achieving a higher points total. To talk about how we keep score is really to talk about how we define success. Most commonly, we tend to keep score with the three C's, comparing, competing and climbing. I believe for all of us in some ways, uh, in different ways, the Lord wants to redirect where we are looking this morning. The comparison trap, the competition board, the focus on climbing. And he, he simply just wants us to look around and to see how can I help? What's in my hands to bear one another's burdens? Who has the Lord positioned me alongside in this season? If we look a bit deeper uh, into that word bear, we see in Galatians 6 2, it's actually a different word. It's mentioned again in 1 Corinthians 13, uh, that love bears all things, which is a, a part of a popular series of verses which is said at weddings, love bears all things. But the original language uh, is actually a different, it's a different translation to that uh, example in 1 Corinthians. In Galatians, to bear with one another, it means to take up with hands in order to carry or bear, to uphold, to support, to give slack to. I like that, to give slack to. I love that, that where there is tension, to bring a bit of slack. And the first thing I thought of was imagining like a tight-fitting t-shirt. Somebody puts on a tight-fitting t-shirt and uh, they can't, they're like, just, can you hold it out a wee bit? I just can't breathe. I can't breathe. But in real life, the struggles or the heart matters or the areas of, of sin, the, 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 the things that we, we just seem to, a cycle of falling back into and, uh, or our physical stresses. Come help me with this tension because I'm in a tight spot and it's becoming difficult to keep healthy spiritually, physically, mentally just now. Because love endures or forbears, we are called to bear one another's burdens. And I love that picture, forbearing the burdens of others. But you'll see in the passage that we've read, there's a little bit of a contradiction. So we read in verse uh, 2, carry each other's burdens or bear one another's burdens. But then in verse 5, we read, for each one should carry their own load. So we're to bear one another's burdens, but then it says a couple of verses later, we're to carry, uh, we're to carry our own load. And uh, if we look a bit deeper into that word load, the original Greek, uh, excuse my pronunciation, is fortion. 
fortion. And actually, as we look a bit deeper into that word, it means that we, we all carry individual burdens. There's things that only we as individuals can carry and own in our own lives for our own personal journeys. So what it's not saying, there's not a contradiction there, but what it's saying is that we can come alongside people in these moments. That there's going to be things that are, are for just the individual, that only we can journey. So it's remembering that. It's not a contradiction. And we've seen it, that coming alongside. We've seen it with the Brownlee brothers and his interview after. He would have done it for any of the runners. He said that. And we've seen it last night with the Danish football team in that sad moment eh, with Christian Eriksen when he collapsed, gathering around, lending support to their brother. We've seen it in this last year in all sorts of ways during the pandemic. And I know it in our church family when there's been crisis moments in our few short years here in Inverness. And I, I guess the, the, the very heart of my, this wee talk is to just say, keep on keeping on, church. And for some of us, it's to encourage us. We, you know, we're doing it. We're doing the stuff. And for others of us, it will be to reiterate the importance of community right now. To reiterate it. And the enemy right now is, is, is drawing you into a trap of isolation in little subtle ways. And actually this morning, what this morning is about and what I feel the Father calling out is it's time to step out and step back into community. It's time to get alongside people again. We are wired for community and that's where the church thrives and that's where, uh, that's where the church responds in love when we're in community. And Paul, uh, in these passages in Galatians, uh, to the church in Galatia, he's urging them to cultivate the fruits of the Spirit, to be in step with the Spirit. He says that in chapter 5, verse 25. Not to miss the point by compa comparing, competing, limiting Jesus, but to focus on the new. To focus on the new life that's afforded to us through Jesus. A new way. A new way. I wonder how often we can miss the point. The message uh, translation of this version says share, share their burdens, share their burdens. We can, uh, at moments perhaps we can run past the very person or the very situation presented to us to love, to pick up and deliver some hope because we're comparing, competing and so fixed on our days, so fixed on our tick boxes, or our stuff. As we live with one another in mind, I believe the Lord wants to enrich our lives through that. And he will literally improve. I believe that he will literally in those moments improve our eyesight and improve our hearing to see what he sees, to hear what he hears, to lay down our agendas and our rush to, to focus on our lane and to rest in him. to rest in him and his plans, to start our days and go, Lord, where shall I go? Interrupt me, interrupt me, Lord. All this stuff I think I have planned that, yeah, I think I'm to do. You tell me, Lord, you tell me. And we see another example in the early church in Acts. We see in Acts 11, uh, let me read it actually. Acts 11, 27 to 30 with the early church. 
It says this, the church in Antioch. During this time, some prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch. One of them named Agabus stood up and through the spirit predicted that a severe famine would spread over the entire Roman world. This happened during the reign of Claudius. The disciples, as each one was able, decided to provide help for the brothers and sisters living in Judea. This they did, sending gifts, their gifts to the elders by Barnabas and Saul, sending relief to those in famine. Their generous response lightened the tension in that moment. And another strong example, a, a biblical picture of bearing one another's burdens is found in Exodus, Exodus 17. Let me jot over to that just now. We have Moses leading God's people out of slavery and on the path to the promised land and following the Lord's commands. Uh, he's dealing with people's quarrels, uh, even while these people were seeing God's provision. And we read of the Amalekites, Amalekites in chapter 17, verse 8 to 15. The Amalekites defeated. Let me read these couple of verses. The Amalekites came and attacked the Israelites at Rephidim. Moses said to Joshua, choose some of our men and go out and fight the Amalekites. Tomorrow I will stand on top of the hill with the staff of God in my hands. So Joshua fought the Amalekites as Moses had ordered. And Moses, Aaron and Hur went to the top of the hill. As long as Moses held up his hands, the Israelites were winning. But whenever he lowered his hands, the Amalekites eh, were winning. When Moses' hands grew tired, they took a stone and put it under him and he sat on it. Aaron and Hur held his hands up, one on one side, one on the other, so that his hands remained steady until sunset. Just picture that. So Joshua overcame the Amalekite army with the sword. They upheld Moses. They supported Moses in the battle. They showed up. They knew what to do and they carried on till the end. I love their concern. I love their physical response as their first response. Not to wrestle with what to do. I love that it cost them. I don't know about you. Have you ever tried to just hold something up with your hand for a long time? I just picture what they were doing. They were holding up Moses' arms till sunset. One at each side. I love that they lifted up his arms. I love that they were alongside him in his weariness. I love that it was until it was no longer needed. I love that they took over because they were best placed for that moment. I love that they never let go. And again, as I said at the beginning with the example, it's such a beautiful, beautiful moment of how to love, how to scoop our brothers and sisters up in seasons of weariness, in seasons of battle, in seasons when they've fallen or lost, they can't walk, or all of a sudden the enemy throws a fiery dart of darkness. Nothing else matters in that moment, in the battle. Inverness Vineyard, a couple of questions. Who are your Aaron and her? When we are losing the battle, you right now might be watching and you feel that you're losing the battle or you've mucked up this week or you, you just feel in a valley, it's just dark or you can't muster the energy to get up and go. Who's going to raise your arms? Who's going to raise our arms? If we haven't got anyone, 
we need to be asking the Lord, who are those people that I can share? Who are those people that I can say, just look out, look out, or I'm in a battle right now and I don't know how I'm going to take the next step. Could you hold up my arms? Could you stand at each side and hold up my arms? And perhaps part of that is joining a life group. And uh, this isn't a sales pitch moment, uh, but it's a very real heart cry moment. I felt as I prepared it in doing life in community to not go this alone. And just to call out, I guess, the elephant in the room in this sense, and as we come together in these moments, the digital elephant in the room. You know, there'll be people, or perhaps you haven't been to the, a group for a while, and you're like, oh, I haven't seen that person in ages. It's going to be awkward. And, or perhaps when you're coming to the in-person, you're like, gosh, I've only spoken to three people in the church family. You know, I'm going to see loads of people that I haven't seen in over a year, I haven't, I haven't even got in touch. Can we just call out the elephant in the room in terms of that? And it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. Who are your Aaron and her? And who are you being an Aaron and her to? Or a Brownlee brother to in the race? Who are the people or person that God has got in your sight right now this week? Maybe right now in your mind's eye, you just know to pick up, to take over the shoulder, to put a hand around them and to see them through their battle, their weariness. And perhaps right now as you're thinking you can't see anyone, just ask God. Ask God right now to reveal this week who that person is. There will be someone. There will be someone. So just to close, Nelson Mandela, he says the following, there's nothing like returning to a place that remains unchanged to find the ways in which you yourself have changed. Love that. Let me read that again. There's nothing like returning to a place that remains unchanged to find the ways in which you yourself have changed. And that's my prayer for this little talk this morning, that we'd be a people that step into this week changed, into spaces that haven't changed. As we go back into the workplaces, as we go back into a family, as we go back into certain specific struggles and battles or spaces, May we carry more of his presence, more of his hope, more of his faith into this week than any other week of this year so far. Amen.